like to make the crunch time plays. Now your host, Bennett Gainey. Crunch, crunch, crunch time plays. This is Pat Smith from Three Man Front, and you're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin with Sports Illustrated's Dogs Daily. You're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Tara Talmadge with the Pig Trail Nation, and you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, it's Jim Dunaway from the next round, and when it comes down to the final ticks on the clock, always look for Crunch Time Plays. What's up, everybody? Thanks for hopping back into Crunch Time Plays today, whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks so much. Got a lot to discuss in this episode, week 11 college football crunch time recap to get to. How about Florida? They survive Sanford on Saturday. Going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Dan Mullen and his future there. Ole Miss, defensive juggernaut performance on Saturday night against Texas A&M. We're going to talk about that. How about Mississippi State? They scored 40 unanswered points on Auburn on Saturday. We're going to dive into that as well. Missouri beat South Carolina 31-28. Going to get into that, what that means for South Carolina going forward. Still opportunities abound. Just still final two opportunities at home against Auburn and Clemson for the Gamecocks to go bowling in Shane Beamer's first year. Georgia, they had some questions about them in this game against Tennessee. You and I talked about it a couple weeks ago on the Crunch Time Recap after the Georgia-Florida game, kind of looking ahead to this Tennessee matchup. They passed that test with flying colors on Saturday. Texas, they were upset by Kansas, 57-56. Not in basketball, in football, ladies and gentlemen. So, going to talk about that. Baylor against Oklahoma. They knock off Oklahoma, 27-14. Oklahoma is now out of the college football playoff race. New rankings are out by the committee. Oklahoma is 13th. So, even with the one losses, they sit there at 9-1. and one. Even with... Even if they went out there, it doesn't look like they're in great shape to make the college football playoff. And then Ohio State, we had Purdue plus 21 in that game on Saturday. Ohio State passed with flying colors there, 59-31. We're going to look ahead to Michigan State and Michigan as well. And then we're going to give you our crunch time players sprinkled throughout this crunch time recap. So a lot to get to. Thanks for being locked in. Make sure you're following on social media at Plays Crunch. Make sure you're subscribed to the Crunch Time Plays YouTube channel. Still 95% of our viewers still aren't subscribed. It's absolutely free. Only takes one click of a button there. Not going to flood your inbox with anything. It's absolutely free just to help us keep the show free, which I know we all enjoy that because we all love conversation around here. We all love college football around here. So we want to keep the show free for you, the casual and the diehard college football fan. So really appreciate that. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave us a five-star review. Certainly appreciate that. And then make sure you're following on social media at Plays Crunch as always. Several new recruiting graphics to go out. When we talk about Texas A&M, I know they lost to Ole Miss, but they've been hot on the recruiting trail in November. Going to dive into that as well. So for all the recruiting graphics, for all the crunch time player graphics and for all the news on college football that we deliver right here on Crunch Time Plays, make sure you're subscribed to the Crunch Time Plays YouTube channel. Make sure you're following on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're subscribed there and make sure you are following on social media at Plays Crunch, Twitter and Instagram. That is the handle. So we're going to start off Florida 
and Sanford. Florida survives Sanford 70 to 52. And as we pull up the crunch time player graphic here, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you're not, if you're listening to us on the podcast feed, going to read off the crunch time players as we go through the recap because every game that we hit is where one of our crunch time players came from this past Saturday. So Emory Jones is a crunch time player. Huge day for him. Huge day for Emory Jones, and they turned out they needed it uh, after they fired Ty Grantham, the defensive coordinator, gave up 52 points to Sanford, the most points an SEC team has ever given up to an FCS opponent in 52, and they needed a big day from Emory Jones. On Saturday, Florida was able to score 70 offensive points in that matchup. And talking about Florida now, Dan Mullen, dancing in the locker room was that a was that a a show uh, to everybody on the outside that he hasn't lost this team and and this team is still together you know frankly he has lost this team we saw it in person we saw it live at williams bryce stadium last saturday when south carolina beat him 40 to 17 and sanford goes out and scores more points on them than south carolina even did uh with 52 and you know is it time for for Dan Mullen to go, I, I believe it is, and uh, not sure you know, who they're going to get to to replace him. But it seems like to me that it's the point of of no return for for Dan Mullen. But one thing I will say about that is whether you want it, whether he is staying, whether Scott Strickland has already made up his mind if he's staying or going, that decision has to be already made now because the next eight quarters of football against Missouri and Florida State whether they win or lose, where you know, they could lose by three, they could win by three, those last eight quarters of football shouldn't sway you one way or the other on Dan Mullen. You should already be in the camp of let's give him one more year or you should already be in the camp of let's go ahead and pull the plug now because what's going to happen eventually must be done immediately. And you know, that's the feeling of a lot of Gator fans out there. I talked to a lot of you. You obviously feel that Dan Mullen should be be fired, and I'm right there along with you. So we're going to be you're going to be interested to see how that's going to play out uh, here in the final two weeks of the season because that December signing period is coming up. It's you might as well start calling it National Signing Day because the one in February really doesn't matter anymore because so few prospects sign in February. They're all signing in December. So if Dan Mullen is fired, they're they want to they want the opportunity to have another coach in there because Georgia's already coming in and stolen uh, two recruits for it from you, one in the 2023 class and then one in the 2022 class. So big-time opportunities for also transfers. Uh, if you're a South Carolina fan listening to this, you should be paying attention to what's going on at Florida because Torian Gray, the defensive backs coach, Clayton White, the defensive coordinator, have ties in the state of Florida. Torian Gray obviously coached at Florida in 2020 the defensive backs coach for Dan Moe and Ty Grantham on that defensive side. So opportunities abound for, via the transfer portal for a program like South Carolina who needs more talented players on the defense, especially in that linebacking core because Damani Staley and Brad Johnson just, just don't cut it moving laterally side to side. You know, they played well against Florida because that Florida runs more inside zone with Emory, zone, Emory Jones, more power, a more inside run game that the Damani Staley and Brad Johnson flourished 
off of as well as that defensive line. So look out for, for the transfer portal for Florida, especially if you're if you're in Columbia, South Carolina, surrounding area tonight, uh, you should be paying attention uh, to what's happening at Florida because especially on that defensive side of the ball with the players because Torian Gray and, and Clayton White and that defensive staff at South Carolina do have ties down in the state of Florida. So moving on to the game that we did the crunch time preview for last week, Ole Miss 29, Texas A&M 19. And you and I discussed Ole Miss and, and the crunch time questions. They were able to get to Calzada. The defense played their best game of the year by far. That's why as we pull, pull the crunch time players back up, the entire Ole Miss defense was a crunch time player this past Saturday because Sistrunk with the pick takes it away from Demas, the Calzada high throw there in the fourth quarter, and then A.J. Finley with the pick six that iced the game for Ole Miss in that fourth quarter as well. Sistrunk's pick where he took the ball away from Demas, the Texas A&M wide receiver, led to a score by Snoop Connor. It's one of the only red zone uh, conversions for touchdowns that Ole Miss had on Saturday night. So played out of their mind. Obviously, Springer went out with the targeting foul there. But kind of was curious to see after he went out because he was really playing out of his mind as well. Sam Williams, Chance Campbell, Mark Williams, everybody on that defensive side of the ball. The tip of the cap to you uh, if you're a a defensive player at Ole Miss uh, today. So Ole Miss, big time, big time win on Saturday night in Oxford. And just a and another uh, note on that, there's Snoop Connor. We talked about it. You and I talk, talked about him in the crunch time preview. We said that Ole Miss was going to have to use the combination in the run game of speed and power, and they certainly did that. Ely went off. Parrish had a really nice game as well. And Snoop Connor with that touchdown there in the red zone after the Sistrunk interception. So it was huge. Speed and power, they needed, they needed both. They needed Ely, they needed Parrish, and they needed Connor, which led to the victory for Ole Miss along with that defensive performance. With Texas A&M, you know, obviously they're, they're disappointed that they suffered their third loss of the season, but, but the only key now is for you to, to get through the season, get through the final two games, and then you've got a monster recruiting class coming in, and they are not done yet. Last week, before the Auburn game, got commits from 2022 five-star defense alignment, Walter Nolan, 2023 wide receiver, Chris Marshall. And then not only is Jimbo Fisher not going to LSU, he just went into Louisiana and poached one of LSU's top targets in four-star running back Le'Veon Moss. So not only is Jimbo Fisher not going to LSU, he, for good measure, he goes and dips into Louisiana and brings a brings a four-star top-notch running back uh, into the fold as well for that Texas A&M recruiting class. It's going to be a top-five class. Maybe ended up, depending on how they finish, maybe the number one class uh, in the 2022 uh, cycle. Obviously, Georgia's going to have a lot to say about that. They currently hold the number one recruiting class. But Texas A&M sitting at number three right now. They're going to they're gonna look to make some more noise as we go towards the December signing period. So let's get through the season for Texas A&M and just bank on that recruiting class being in the top five and the future 
is very bright in, in College Station. It's also very bright uh, in Oxford uh, for this season. Ole Miss now sits eight and two on the season. Got Vanderbilt, Mississippi State to finish up. Assuming they win those final two, go ten and two. They're going to go to a New Year's Six uh, bowl game. So a lot, a lot to be excited about uh, if you're in Oxford, Mississippi right now in the surrounding area. Speaking of another team in Mississippi, Mississippi State beats Auburn 43 to 34. Did you know that Auburn was up 28 to 3 in this game? The offense was firing on all cylinders in the first half. Bo Nix was playing the game of his life in the first half. And then get to halftime, 28-10 at the break, and Mississippi State makes the adjustment. Mike Leach being the air raid specialist that he is, he makes a little bit of adjustment to what Derek Mason and that defensive staff was doing. And Derek Mason never – he never adjusted back. He, he, you know, I like to – you know, putting ourselves in the minds of, of Derek Mason, maybe he's thinking that the way the offense is playing, maybe Auburn only needs 10 more offensive points uh, for Bo Nix and the gang to, to come up with. So maybe he's thinking that, you know, it doesn't matter what defense I'm playing. It doesn't matter if I adjust to what Mississippi State's doing. The offense is only going to get 10 points. because so There's no way that Mississippi State's going to come back, right? Wrong, because Will Rogers – obviously throws for average of 50 times a game for so many yards. And he, he, they were converted in the red zone as well. The six total touchdowns for, for Will Rogers. He is a crunch time player as we pull the graphic back up. Will Rogers made the plays uh, in crunch time for Mississippi state, 40 unanswered points for Mississippi state, which is, which is unheard of, especially against a, against an SEC opponent. And, and I don't know uh, what Auburn's defense and Darren Mason was doing in the second half, but they they obviously didn't adjust. They they didn't frankly showed no interest in adjusting to what Mississippi State was doing in the second half. So if you're an Auburn fan, if you're in Auburn, Alabama today, I know that's disappointing. But if you're in Starkville, that is exciting. And on the recruiting front as well, Marquez Dortz, the four-star wide receiver that was, has been committed to Ole Miss for a long time. He decommitted from Ole Miss earlier in the week and is now uh, committed to Mike Leach and Mississippi State to join their 2022 class as a wide receiver. So a big-time win for Mississippi State on Saturday and a big-time recruit they they picked up earlier in the week in, in Marquez Doris, four-star wide receiver. If you uh, want to see the graphics on that, Le'Veon – trying out a new design on the graphics right now. So the Le'Veon Moss uh, recruiting graphic is out for us and and the Marquez uh, Dorch recruiting graphic is out. So make sure you're following on Twitter and Instagram at Plays Crunch so you can see those because uh, let me know what you let me, let me know what you think of the new uh, design as well. Send me a DM, send me an email. You can find that on social media. So uh, definitely curious to, for everybody to, to, to give some feedback on on the recruiting graphics and and how and how everybody's liking those. We're all about community right here on Crunch Time Plays. Certainly appreciate that. How about Missouri? They beat South Carolina 31 to 28 on Saturday afternoon. It's a game that that in the first quarter South Carolina controlled. They were up seven nothing. They were driving down the field about make it 14 nothing. Put Missouri on the ropes, and then 
Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator in Missouri, they they sold out against Georgia against the run, and they stopped the run pretty well against Georgia. They sold out again against the run against South Carolina. They had a their defensive line had a meet me in the backfield with with Jason Brown and Marshawn Lloyd uh, taking the handoff, and and the Missouri defensive lineman just takes it from Lloyd and falls to the ground. That was a fumble by Marshawn Lloyd. That swung the momentum of the game. Missouri went right down the field, scored a touchdown, tied it up at seven. And so the and then you know at the end of the game, Connor Bazelight throws the pick to Brad Johnson. South Carolina scores to make it 31. 28 and and they just went to work tyler Beatty uh, went to work uh, for missouri over 200 yards rushing in the game for tyler Beatty. so as we throw the crunch time player graphic back up tyler Beatty, the running back from missouri is a crunch time player for week 11 over 200 yards and over 30 carries for tyler Beatty. and south carolina just had no answer for that because after losing to Shirai, after losing Shirai Green at linebacker in the Georgia game for South Carolina, that was a real, real blow because you had to start Damani Staley and, and Brad Johnson for the rest of the season at linebacker. And and just the talent at linebacker, they just don't have enough speed to to get out on the edge. What Missouri was running, a lot of a lot of outside zone, a lot of perimeter type runs with with Tyler Beatty. A lot of perimeter type passes with Mookie Cooper and those guys on the outside. So the speed from from South Carolina's defense is an is an issue. But but for Clayton White, the South Carolina defensive coordinator, he is now a nominee for the Brules Award, which is given to the top uh, nation's top offense nation's top assistant coach. So definitely congratulations to Clayton White for that because. If you're a South Carolina fan, if you're in Columbia, South Carolina today in the surrounding area, if you're a South Carolina fan, you can all we can all appreciate what Clayton White and that defensive staff has done uh, in year one under Shane Beamer. We all know the the talent deficiencies that, especially at the linebacking core now with Shirai Green out with Damani Staley and Brad Johnson, not they're not the fleetest of foot guys at, at linebacker. So their teams are definitely taking advantage of that but 14th in the country in pass defense fifth in the country in turnovers gained for south carolina and and clayton white you you better keep him around and you better keep that defensive staff around for south carolina because that defense is overachieving and they are getting the most out of the players they are maximizing the talent that's on that defense and with the transfer portal coming up the great players that are already committed uh, to this defensive staff in recruiting, South Carolina's defense is going to be turned around. And Clayton White has a lot to do with that. And that's why he was a nominee for the Burles Award. So congratulations to Clayton White again. And 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 look, if you're if you're a South Carolina fan listening to this, they're still watching and listening. There's still still two opportunities to go bowling for the game cause, which would be huge in Shane Beamer's first season they had all the momentum in recruiting leading into the season and if you can get to a bowl game if you uh, make some changes on the offensive staff quite frankly Marcus Satterfield and Greg Atkins uh, look to be on their way out possibly in Columbia so you gotta I would if let's we I mean you know we can put ourselves in Shane Beamer's shoes right now we're probably on the phone with recruits as we speak just telling them about the future especially you know, there's that guy, Antonio Williams from Dutch Ford, the four-star 
wide receiver that South Carolina is desperately needing. And Justin Stepp's done an incredible job uh, with his recruitment. But you know, you gotta you gotta be able to sell these offensive players on on a new vision uh, for the offense, or else you're not gonna get uh, the guys that you wanna. You're not gonna get those top notch guys that that you're recruiting against uh, the other top programs for if you don't have a a competent offense. If you're South Carolina, so definitely look for Marcus Satterfield and Greg Atkins, the offensive line coach, to be out. Uh, just due to the off the lack of offensive performance at the end of the season. And, and if you're, if we're Shane Beamer right now, we are on the phone uh, with the recruits, especially Antonio Williams, Justin steps on the phone with him. We're letting him know that, that there's going to be a change in, in that offensive staff room and, and let them know the, the type of guy, the type of scheme that we want to run uh, at, in Columbia. So to make them more excited about coming to South Carolina, because, you know, if you keep Marcus Satterfield around, there's there's not going to be many guys that that want to come play in this offense, especially if next year if it if it keeps rolling the way uh, it is right now, you're not going to get any of those top notch offensive players. So not going to get any of those skill guys, those wide receivers that you need uh, to to increase the the depth in that room. You're not going to get those guys. So, but again, if you South Carolina, if you're Shane Beamer. If you get to a bowl game, if you can get to six wins, if you can beat Auburn or Clemson at the end of the year, the momentum that you went into the season with, you have now gained back. And if you make those changes on the offensive staff, the the swing in Columbia, South Carolina, should should really uh, be be turning in favor of Shane Beamer and and this and the program that he that he is building because there's no doubt if you're South Carolina fan, you can appreciate how hard these players play under, under coach Beamer. He has instilled the culture. He has instilled uh, the love for each other, the love for the game. And you can definitely tell that, that these players don't quit and they're, and they're motivated. They fight for their head coach, which is, which is what any mark of a great team does. They take on the mold. They take on the mentality of their head coach. And you can obviously see that South Carolina, the players have done that. They just need to make some tweaks to the offensive staff and they need to, to just get a, a more talented players on defense and, and the, you know, and Beamer ball is going to be rolling uh, in, in Columbia. I firmly believe that. And I know if you're a South Carolina fan listening to this, you, you firmly believe that as well. How about Georgia? They beat Tennessee 41 to 17 on Saturday. And the and you and I talked a couple weeks ago. Georgia, we talked about their secondary and the fact that Tennessee would be able to probably we we would find out the crunch time question for Georgia. The final piece of the puzzle for Georgia was is this secondary, is this defensive unit capable of of slowing down that high octane Tennessee offense with the explosives on the outside, the receivers, Tillman, Peyton, Hyatt, those guys, Bayless Jones. Could Georgia hold those guys in check? And outside of the first few drives of the game, they they did. And they imposed their will. You know, we I know you and I talked about JT Daniels a lot and we we kind of thought that this will be the game if we were going to see JT Daniels, if we were going to see a, 
a starting quarterback shift at Georgia, this will be the game that we would see it because Georgia would have to score points to beat Tennessee. But, but you know, it's pretty clear that it's Stetson Bennett's show uh, from here on out, and JT Daniels probably going to be the backup the rest of the way. But that Georgia defense, man, you just can't you just can't come up with enough superlatives to describe them. That whole that whole defense is is going to be drafted. That whole front seven uh, could end up being first round picks whenever they choose to to come out. So if it, you know if you're, if we're NFL GM sitting here, can we can we just have all those guys from Georgia? If if we're the if we're the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, if we're Urban Meyer, can we just take all with with the top pick? Can we just draft all those players uh, from Georgia? That would be the question that I would be asking if I was if I was Urban Meyer in that Jacksonville Jaguars organization. Can we just draft all those Georgia defensive players? Because we need we need to build some depth around here defensively. But but Georgia, you you can't come up with enough superlatives to describe this defense, and they are on their way. They're on their way to, to the collision course with, with Alabama in the SEC championship game. The Iron Bowl for Alabama certainly looks a lot less doning now with Bo Nix out. T.J. Finley going to be the quarterback for Auburn the rest of the way. Now, how about Bo Nix, by the way, though? The, the guts and the adrenaline that that guy played with in the second half on that broken ankle, you just can't describe it. He had, a, he had the first half of his life in that Mississippi State game, then comes out and and really guts it out uh, in the second half. And then T.J. Finley finally comes in. I was wondering, watching the game, why uh, T.J. Finley was coming in the game. But obviously, it turns out Bo Nix uh, broke his ankle and had the successful surgery earlier in the week. So certainly thoughts and prayers to Bo Nix as he uh, recovers that, that broken ankle. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing him in an Auburn uniform back next year i'm sure he'll be back uh, in the spring for spring practice and we're certainly looking forward to seeing him back in the fall uh, for auburn but but for georgia they are on their way to that collision course with alabama uh, in the sec championship game and and if it's a close game even if they lose of uh, georgia they're still going to find themselves in the college football playoffs so georgia are still very much a possibility for there to be two SEC teams in the college football playoffs. It's even kind of floating around that maybe even a two-loss Alabama uh, could get in. Uh, maybe if Oregon loses another game, if Ohio State wins out, maybe a maybe a two-loss uh, Alabama slides in to the playoff even if they lose the SEC championship game over over Cincinnati. Man, what a, what a ruckus that would cause. But, but, uh, Cincinnati hadn't looked very good the past uh, few weeks, but but they still got a very quality win uh, over Notre Dame and South Bend, so, so that's got to account for something. But but Georgia, it's hard to it's hard to envision right now anybody uh, being able to to hang with them. Uh, maybe Ohio State because they still have Olave, they still have Smith and Jigba, they still have Garrett Wilson on the outside and, and Travion Henderson at running back. So that offense for Ohio State, I would certainly love to see uh, that matchup in the playoff, Georgia and Ohio State. Georgia Georgia's defense against that Ohio State offense, just as a side note, you know, that kind of kind of makes your mouth water a little bit. Kind of kind of makes you, you know, we obviously don't want to look ahead to the playoff. We still got two weeks in the regular season left, but kind of kind of gets you thinking uh, what type of matchup 
of that would be Ohio State's offense and and Georgia's defense. So if that if that happens, I certainly won't be complaining, and I doubt that uh, anybody uh, watching or listening right now will be complaining about that. And moving out of the SEC now, we're going to focus on the Big 12 and then one game in the Big 10 before we get out of here. And we got to talk about Texas first. And Kansas beats Texas 57 to 56, not in basketball, by the way, but in football. And we were on the sideline week two when Kansas played Coastal Carolina, standing on the teal turf there uh, down in Conway and watching this Kansas team. And we didn't really think they were, didn't really think they would amount to much this year. Obviously, didn't. Definitely didn't foresee them uh, going into Austin and and beating Texas, especially with the way uh, Coastal Carolina handled them that that Friday night there in Week Two, which seems like forever ago now. But but uh, Texas, uh, congratulations to Kansas, congratulations to Lance Leopold and that and that whole staff, and and congratulations to the Jayhawk fan base. But this, what I really wanted to touch on is is Texas and. And is Sark on the hot seat? No, he shouldn't be on the hot seat uh, in year one. But but Bo Davis told us a lot about this team. The video that surfaced with with him on the bus, the defensive line coach there at Texas, Bo Davis. He he told us a lot about this team. And you could make the argument, which is the argument that I'm going to make here, is there there's just some bad eggs, some bad apples in that locker room that they that they inherited and is this the beginning of the weeding out process kind of similar to what if you're in Starkville, Mississippi listening right now, kind of what Mike Leach had to do uh, whenever he got to Mississippi state, he's getting now getting his guys in there creating what he wants to create there in Starkville and having success in year two, certainly excited to see what he's going to do going forward, but kind of has Texas situation right now kind of has those Mississippi state vibes a little bit where, there's just some some bad eggs, some bad apples that Sark and this staff inherited. And this is the beginning of the weeding out process. Certainly, if you're a Texas fan watching and listening right now, that's what you're hoping for. And quite frankly, that's what I'm hoping for because I thought Sark was a really great hire, especially with his innovativeness offensively. I'm not really sure if innovativeness is a word, but but we'll uh, we'll look it up in the dictionary later. But I thought that Sark was a was a good hire. And uh, as a college football uh, fan, as a college football historian, you want to see Texas have success. And you know, with the revolving door of coaches that they've gone through, starting off when, when Matt Brown left, had Charlie Strong and Tom Herman, and now Sark, you, you want to see Texas succeed. You want to see them have success because it's really good for college football. It's really good for this show, really when Texas succeeds. I know you and I haven't spoken about Texas probably since August, but but it's great when Texas is good for us out there that love college football, which all of you do. And I would like to think that this is just the beginning of the weeding out process. And and there's gonna probably there's gonna be a lot of guys, there's gonna be a lot of portal turnover this season at the end of the year. And frankly there needs to be because now you're we're in the age we're, we're in the transfer portal age where not only are you recruiting for instance right now not only is is Sark and this staff recruiting the 
2022 cycle, 2023 cycle, 24 cycle, you're recruiting your own play. And everybody around the country has to do this now with the age of the transfer portal. You have to recruit even your own team, even the players that are on campus. You have to re-recruit them every year. And especially now at Texas, where you're, if you're Sark and you're beginning this weeding out process, you're going to have to convince a guy like B. John Robinson, who's out for the year with an elbow injury now, but you're going to have to convince him to stick around. You're going to have to convince your all-freshman wide receiver and Xavier Worthy, who's having an incredible season. You're going to have to convince him to stick around. You're going to have to convince those two guys that you want to build your offense around and especially if you're if you're still in the Arch Manning sweepstakes leading into 2023 if you're in the let's say the Reuben Owens uh, sweepstakes at running back Reuben Owens was in Austin this past weekend the five-star running back in the 2023 class he was in Austin this past weekend witness of that loss to Kansas but it, not only are you recruiting those guys you're you're gonna have to sell the guys that are on your own team producing for you, like B. John Robinson and Xavier Worthy. Not only will you have to convince them that you're getting great prospects in 2022-2023, leading into this offseason, you're gonna have to convince them that you are bringing in quality players from the portal as well. So that's kind of what the the situation is at Texas right now. I've I personally believe that it's just some bad apples there in the locker room. And wonder how Bo Davis is feeling right now after that loss to Kansas. Maybe maybe another another video or audio will leak of him uh, on the bus. I doubt he's a very happy camper right now uh, either with that, especially how that defense has looked uh, this year. But but for Texas, you're going to have to re-recruit B. John Robinson. You have to re-recruit Xavier Worthy. You have to convince them that you're going out and getting guys in the portal, and you're going to have to convince them that you're bringing in quality players in 2022 that are they're going to help the the culture of the program and not hurt it the way probably some of the players are hurting it right now. So that's that's where we stand on on the Texas situation right now. Obviously, everything's going to be developing as we move towards the end of the season. So we'll certainly keep you updated on that. But going to have to re-recruit Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy, your two top offensive pieces uh, if you're Steve Sarkeesian and this staff. So, again, uh, it, it's it's been a rough year for Texas. I know there's a lot of people that, that want to see Sark fired in year one. Just just stop. He's, he's not uh, getting fired uh, in year one. And you just got to give him a little bit of time to to weed out uh, the bad the bad apples, the bad eggs there. And, and if uh, he can do that, then he'll certainly – he can still be successful at Texas, and we're certainly pulling for him to do that because we really like it when Texas is good. It's it's good for college football, and it's good for the show. How about Baylor? They upset Oklahoma 27-14. to 14. And Gary Bohannon, after that TCU game, as we pull up the crunch time player graphic here, Gary Bohannon, the quarterback at Baylor, he's a crunch time player this week. He called himself out a little bit after – after that TCU emotional loss, thirty to twenty-eight, after TCU had had just fired Gary Patterson, and Gary Bohannon called himself out, saying he needed to be more violent. He said he needed to be a better leader 
going forward. And he certainly was that on Saturday. He led Baylor, made the crunch time plays with his legs to get into the end zone, to pull away from Oklahoma there. So all credit to Dave Aranda. He's going to be a candidate for for a top job, uh, either LSU or or maybe USC, if they're looking for a guy uh, with, with structure out there. Because Dave Aranda, he's, he's one of the – He's proven that he is one of the best uh, right now uh, in year two at Baylor. All credit goes to him and that whole Baylor football team for bouncing back after that win, or excuse me, after that loss against against TCU. So that was certainly encouraging to see. For Oklahoma, there's a lot of, a lot of rumors today about Lincoln Riley uh, possibly heading to LSU. There's rumors of an eight-year, $96 million contract on the table for Lincoln Riley. And if he were to accept it, maybe he would take Caleb Williams, the star quarterback or star freshman quarterback with him to LSU. And and all, all of that's obviously going to come out uh, in due time. And, and if Lincoln Riley decides to take the job, which I have no information on that, but this is what has been indicated that Lincoln Riley does have an eight-year, $96 million offer on the table uh, right now. Uh, for LSU, so not sure what Oklahoma's going to do. Are they going to match that? So a lot of a lot of a lot of people in in Baton Rouge, Louisiana tonight. A lot of people in Norman, Oklahoma tonight, really buzzing uh, about that. And so that'll come out uh, in due time. Obviously, whether Lincoln Riley is going to is going to take his coaching talents uh, down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to be the next head coach at Louisiana State University. So that's all going to come out in due time but but Oklahoma obviously the loss knocks them out of the college football playoff race sitting at number 13 in the new rankings right now that's four spots behind Oklahoma State who they're going to play in Bedlam next week so maybe Oklahoma State could possibly have a Oklahoma State has a better track to get to the playoff if they win the rest of their games than than Oklahoma does and obviously Oklahoma with the loss to Oklahoma State would be completely knocked out anyway with two losses. But but I gotta, you know, they're they're knocked out right now with one loss because they're number 13 in the in the latest rankings. They were already number eight. So the committee didn't think too highly of Oklahoma to begin with. And now with the loss, they dropped five spots to number 13. Still an opportunity to to win the to win the Big 12, win the rest of their games. But obviously the main story uh, right now in Norman is 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 number one is this uh, smoke that he's going to LSU true and and if so, uh, there's obviously going to be a going to be a coaching search at Oklahoma. So a lot of people in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a lot of people in Norman, Oklahoma, talking talking it up as we speak. So going to be curious to see, and we'll certainly keep you updated how that's going uh, here in the next couple of days as as we uh, get out of the Big Twelve now and move in to Ohio State. Huge game coming up on Saturday for Ohio State. Have our crunch time preview later in the week. Steve Hellwagon from Bucknuts.com, the 24-7 site uh, that covers Ohio State, part of the 27 Sports, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. So Steve Hellwagon is going to join us for that crunch time preview. That's going to be out. Certainly looking forward to that, the preview of Ohio State and Michigan State top 10 matchup in the college football playoff on in the shoe that game's at 12 o'clock on abc on saturday but before we got there ohio state took care of business 
against Purdue, 59 to 31. Very workmanlike performance for Ohio State in that offense. They lead the country now in scoring offense, averaging 46.3 points per game. So at Michigan State, as we're kind of looking ahead, I know we'll get into all of this with Steve in the preview, but Michigan State is dead last in the in the FBS, 130 out of 130 uh, in pass defense, giving up over 300 yards per game. So with Smith and Jigba, with Garrett Wilson, with Chris Olave, you know, your mouth's going to be watering if you're if you're Ryan Day uh, calling the plays on Saturday against that Michigan State uh, defense, but kind of the same thing happened against Purdue. Purdue, not very good against the pass, and Ohio State certainly took advantage of that. The one thing that talked about with Steve in the Crunch Time preview, which you'll get to watch and listening to, but this Ohio State defense, and Purdue kind of exploited this a little bit with some explosive plays, and some other teams have. Nebraska did it. Obviously, Oregon did it uh, the first part of the year. But this secondary for Ohio State has been susceptible to explosive plays. And they obviously were able to outlast Purdue uh, due to their juggernaut offensive performance. But when you look at what Michigan State's going to want to do against Ohio State, obviously Kenneth Walker, he's obviously going to be a focal point of the offense for Michigan State. But Ohio State in the front seven has been very good. They're one of the they're near the top of the country in rushing defense. So the front seven for Ohio State has been really good. Does the crunch time question there they're going to get into a later in the week when we preview this game, Ohio State and Michigan State, is what is Michigan State going to do on first down and second down? They obviously don't want to be too predictable running running Kenneth Walker on first and second down. I I am of the belief that, and be curious to hear what everybody else thinks on this, but I'm of the belief that Michigan State and Peyton Thorne, they will try to open it up a little bit uh, on early downs and early in the game, trying to get the ball to read and those playmakers downfield, taking advantage of that susceptible Ohio State secondary. And doing that will set up Kenneth Walker. I know we like to think setting up the run with the pass. Well, sometimes you, sometimes we got to do the inverse of that. Sometimes we have to set up the run with the pass. Now, a lot of times we want to set up the pass with the run, but in this scenario for Michigan State, I believe that they're going to have to set up the run by taking some shots early down the field to read and the and those guys are deep to, to really uh, kind of – Get that deep, get those linebackers back a little bit for Ohio State. Get the get the secondary back. So that's going to open up some opportunities for Kenneth Walker if he can get into the second level. He's going to have an opportunity to get those five, six yards per carry uh, that he's used to getting right now. And very interesting subplot in this game with the Heisman. We're going to get to that uh, with Steve as well when we do the crunch time preview. So very excited for. Crunch Time Preview, Michigan State and Ohio State with, with Steve Hellwagon of Bucknuts.com. So make sure you check that out later in the week. Obviously, the most one of the most talked about games uh, in college football this week is going to be one of the top matchups, along with Oregon with a trip to Utah on Saturday. That's going to be interesting. Probably going to do a Crunch Time Preview for that one as well. And certainly looking forward to, to a great 
week 12 uh, in in the SEC where we're located and around the country as well. Certainly looking forward to Ohio State, Michigan State, and Oregon and Utah and all that as well. So the final thing that I want to do is leave you with the crunch time players again, kind of hit on them a little bit uh, in the recaps of the games. But Will Rogers from Mississippi State, the quarterback, he's crunch time player. Florida quarterback Emory Jones, the entire Ole Miss defense, crunch time players all around for Ole Miss. Gary Bohannon, the quarterback for Baylor, and Tyler Beatty, the running back for Missouri. And those are the crunch time players for week 11, and that's going to be a wrap on the crunch time recap for week 11 in college football. Need you to do me a couple of favors. Subscribe to the Crunch Time Plays YouTube channel. Still 95% of our viewers still aren't subscribed. Absolutely free. Go ahead and subscribe there. Go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you're listening to us on the podcast feed. And make sure you're following on social media at Plays Crunch for recruiting graphics for our Crunch Time Plays later in the week. We started our betting picks. We're giving out 12 a week. So definitely excited for that. Look out for our prize picks player props for this week. Week 12 in college football, going to be releasing those on social media as well. So all the reasons, if you like making money, that's all the reason enough. If, if you uh, like to know where all the recruits are going inside the SEC and the surrounding area, if you like making money, uh, those are two really great reasons to follow on Twitter and Instagram, at Plays Crunch, plus all the other uh, reasons as well. Get all the shows there and everything like that. So. So many great things happening right here on Crunch Time Plays. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Thanks so much to everybody for the support. It truly means a lot. And we'll look forward to speaking again for the Michigan State, Ohio State preview with Steve Hellwagon from Bucknuts.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network over there. Very excited for that. Hope you'll tune in for that. I'm Bennett Ganey, as always. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Crunch Time Recap for Week 11 of College Football right here on Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Crunch Time Plays with your host, Bennett Ganey. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow at Plays Crunch on Twitter and Instagram.